Today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people. So if you're a runner, a cyclist, a strength trainer, or an OCR athlete, like you probably are since you're listening to this podcast, and you don't have life insurance, I would hit up Health IQ because they offer discounts for being healthy. What you need to do is you need to head over to their website, healthiq.com SASP for a strength and speed podcast. Once you get over to their website, you're going to have to take a health IQ quiz, and that's going to see if you qualify for lower rates on your life insurance. Plus, you can get additional savings by submitting actual data, so things like race results, Strava, RunKeeper, or any other application that you use to actually track your fitness. 56% of health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. So if you're with another life insurance agency and you're not taking advantage of all the fitness work you're putting in on your spare time, then you need to switch companies right now. Car insurance companies give you lower rates for being a good driver. There's no reason that health insurance companies shouldn't give you a lower rate for being a healthier person by doing things like training, running, lifting weights, and participating in our favorite sport, OCR. You don't have to be an elite athlete to qualify. You just have to be the type of person who's putting in a little bit of time and effort to make yourself healthier. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that's you. So head on over to healthiq.com SASP and see if you qualify for lower rates today. Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis, and I have two gingers on the line joining me today. So I have my normal co-host on the line, Brenna. Say hi. Hello, hello. Ready to represent for some ginger power tonight. And our other special guest is straddles the world of equestrian and OCR. She is the dark horse of... Toughest Mudder, as they called her on CBS, Adrian Alvord. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, and I enjoy the dark horse uh, title. I, I double pun the uh, horse jokes there. <laughs> yeah, no, straddling. It's, it's perfect, though. It really is. Like when they said that, I was like, "What a better name to have than the dark horse." Cool. So before we get that, uh, I'm just going to give you a quick quick rundown for our listeners or our bio in case they don't know who you are. So her. Her podium results date back to 2014. She finished first at a Savage Race. 2015, we got some more podium finishes. First at ABF Mud Run, a permanent course in, I believe, New Jersey area. Third at Mud Guts and Glory, the home to OCR World Championships for two years. First place at Savage Race, 2015. Um, 2015 OCR World Championships, seventh place, female 19 to 24 age group. She was 11th place at the Battle Frog Point Series in 2015. Third place, Bonefrog Challenge, New Jersey. Moving on to 2016, first place at Shell Hill 8-Hour Polar Bear Challenge. So Shell Hill, one of my favorite courses up in uh, Vermont. Third place at the one and only BFX 24, which we'll talk about later. A couple more podium finishes at Savage. Another podium finish at Mudguts and Glory in 2016. 2017 qualified for city finals for American Ninja Warrior in Daytona Beach. And has been crushing it in 2017 at Toughest Mudder. So... Sixth place in Tough Mudder, Toughest Mudder South, fifth place Toughest Mudder Philly, seventh place Toughest Mudder Canada, sixth place Toughest Mudder Chicago, 
And then seventh placed in the toughest mutter points rankings. So that's just for OCR, right? So that's only like half of what we're talking about today. So I'm gonna also cover some of the horse highlights, which I'm a little out of my league here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to give a quick rundown. So started her business, Adrian Alvor Dressage, in 2013 at 19 years old. 2015 qualified for the Junior Olympics for Dressage. Uh, 2015 ranked 10th in the country on the National Young Riders ranking list. Sixth in the country for a Grand Prix Young Rider. Uh, Grand Prix is the highest level and the level you compete at in the Olympics. 2015 earned her United States Dressage Federation gold medal. And 2015 ranked first nationally for Arab Arab Cross at Grand Prix and second nationally for the Hanorvian Society at the Grand Prix St. George level. That's the rundown. You said it pretty well. All you right. <laughs> well, man, I think that covers the podcast. That right there was pretty impressive. <laughs> I was like, that's, wow, that's long-winded. Uh, so before before we get, we, we dive headfirst uh, into equestrian, or let, let's, start out, let's start out with the very basics, right? Like, I don't know pretty much anything about anything having to do with horses so like give me i guess the overview of equestrian sports or, or whatever it's called equine is that the correct term yeah equestrian is uh like the right term and that's like pretty much the broadest you can get with it so you know that equestrian pretty much just means that you deal and ride with horses and then like within that you have different sports within riding an equestrian um the main ones which are, like, in the Olympics are dressage, which is, I, which is what I do, which, like, the best way I can describe it is, like, uh, it's, like, ballet on horses, and it's judged really similarly to, like, how figure skating is, where you have, like, a set pattern you have to perform, and then the judges uh, judge it movement by movement, so you have that, and then you also have um, show jumping, which is, like, when you see in the arena a bunch of jumps, that's one of the other sports, like, with one of the main ones and then the third olympic sport is uh called eventing which i actually used to do um and still dabble in it a little bit where you have dressage show jumping and cross country um which is that's over like a few mile course of like solid fences and and actually a corinna coffin's dad uh i don't think he does it anymore but he was on an olympic team for eventing so those are like your three major sports and then you have other stuff like you know there's the western and um like reindeer and all this crazy stuff but those are like the ones that are probably the most established and have like really good governing bodies uh for it so dumb question the horse are you standing next to the horse when it's dancing or you're not on top of it correct <laughs> i know i know um no you're on top of the horse so oh, you are and, okay yeah, because yeah, when I went to medieval so... when I went to medieval times, they were standing next to the horse, and I was less impressed. <laughs> See, so you know, I'm actually trying to teach my horse how to do some crazy stuff next to him. So we'll see. Maybe I'll be dancing next to him if he doesn't kick me in the head before <laughs> before then. So, so you said your horse is judged like on the movements. Are you? Do you get judged too? Like based off what you're doing on the horse, or is it all solely like the horse's movements? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, so there is, there it's scored movement by movement. So the test will have anywhere, like the lower level tests are only like 10 movements. Grand Prix, it's like 31 movements. Um, and so then when they're scoring it, they're they're mostly looking at the horse. So it has a lot to do with you, how you influence the horse. 
And then they're actually at the very end, there's a collective remarks, which are separate from the movement by movement. And one of them is a rider score. So it's like, how effective um, are your cues to the horse? Like, how did you influence the horse? You do get a rider score. But you see, it's interesting because, like, this is my little bit of beef with the sport, uh, is that you can kind of get ahead in it by just knowing the right people and having the money to buy the horse and having a good trainer. Because at some point, like, you can just have, like, the trainer get the horse really tuned up and then the rider sits on it. And you still have to know what you're doing. But I don't feel like it's as authentic as with OCR, where, like, if you do well racing an OCR, it's because, like, you trained your butt off. Now, you can, like, train your butt off and, like, be this really great rider. But if you don't know the right people and don't have the sponsors and the money, like, you're not going to get as far as with racing if you just work really hard. So, yeah, it is it is movement by movement, and the rider does have a lot to do with it, but at some point it's, like, has to do with, like, where did the horse come from and how well is the horse trained. Interesting. So how long how long is it out there, or are you out there dancing, or the horse is dancing for? So the tests are um, only about, like, five to seven minutes long. Um, it's about... That's pretty long, I feel like. Yeah, and it, it, it is. It's quite a bit, like, that's about how long one test take so then you get on but you'll get on like 30 minutes before that to warm the horse up to get ready for it but but the actual like performance itself or the test is like five minutes and so you actually you kind of do both right like you train horses and your horse but then you also like you ride your horse for competition right yeah yeah so uh and it's like i feel like it changes like year to year it just kind of depends on like what my clientele is so like i um, sometimes it's like just me competing like a client's horse because like the horse needs experience or like the owner just wants to own a horse. And then other times it's like me training the horse. So, um, the rider can show it or it's like, or it's just me going and coaching the rider and the horse. So it's a mixture of all of them. And it, and some years like, uh, like last year, 2016 and 2017, like I wasn't competing as much as I have prior just cause I was mostly coaching, and then this next year, I'll probably be competing more because now I have my own horse. So he's going he's gonna to rock it in young horse classes. Which I know as the black unicorn, but the that's black, actually yeah. Drake, correct? Yeah, it's Drake. Or, actually, his show name is Draconis. Uh, you know, just being super fancy. <laughs> but we call him Drake or the black unicorn because he's super majestic and, and magical. And I think he's <laughs> the best horse on earth. But, you know... <laughs> That's he's entertaining. He's entertaining. I saw him eating your um, your my side hair. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you have to look at my Instagram story from today. He literally like I was playing tag with him, and the little dickhead like body slammed me, and I'm like, okay, this horse like wants to be a football player, like <laughs> body slam me. <laughs> All right, so I want to back up for a quick second and just ask, how did you like? Have you grown up your entire life with your family around horses and equestrian, or I mean, I know we said that you started your own business in when you were nineteen. So, like, how did you get into horses or start this whole journey? Yeah, so my mom's a horse trainer, uh, and you know, I've just been around horses like ever since I was a baby. Like, there's actually pictures of me on the horse, like as literally a newborn, which I don't know if was the safest thing, but that like made me not ever be afraid of them. And so I just growing up, like I worked in the barn and I go and like work at um, some trainers places over the summer. And I just, I knew it's what I wanted to do. And, and my mom actually like really discouraged me from it. She was like, you don't want to be a horse trainer. You don't want to deal with this world. La la la. 
And I'm like the kind of person that like if you tell me not to do something, I'm probably gonna do it just because of that. And I wanted to really do it, but her telling me not to just made me want to do it more. <laughs> so uh, yeah, when I turned 18, my family was like just kind of falling apart, and and they were like, oh, you can't take the horse to college and all this other shit. So I was like, you know what, like. I'm just going to leave. I left home. Um, I went to like go work for like one of our, um, at the time he was like the young horse coach for the U S. And so I went to go work for them and just kind of got going in that. And then after I was there for like six months, just, uh, came back to Virginia and, and started my own business. So yeah, I just, I just always knew I wanted to do it. You know, it's my life. So that's your full, that's your full time job now. It's, uh, your, your business, your eight, Adrian Alvarez question or agent of Alvarez Shaz. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Adrian Alvord dressage. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty much like been the only job I've really ever had. So like in high school, I I started like um riding for some people in high school and teaching lessons, and then like ever since when I left home, I was working for someone else, and then since nineteen, like that's just been like my full time, everyday job. You know, it's changed a little bit. Like again, like year by year, it kind of changes and then and morphs, and it's not quite as busy as it used to be, just because I decided like it was just. It was a lot. Like, at one point, I had, like, 17 horses, and I was leasing this entire facility, and it was just I, I'm much more of, like, quality over quantity kind of person, and at a certain point, like, more horses doesn't mean you're making more, because you're just ending up spending so much in expenses for the horses and labor, and I just, I don't want to ever be that big again. This was just too much. That's crazy, and please clarify for those, I mean, you started this when you were 19, and how old are you now? I will be 24 in March. So you're still young, but you started this young. That's just crazy to think that it's like that's what you do and how. I mean, it's a. I I think of it as kind of like a. I don't know, prestigious. Like it's just very. I don't know, just anybody that gets into equestrian type of lifestyle. Yeah, you know, I think it seems like this really shiny, like fancy thing, but behind the scenes, like it's really not the kind it's just not as glamorous as you think it is I mean it's great I love it because I'm active and I love working with the horses it's so wonderful but I'll, I'll see these little kids who are like they're they'll come up to me or their parents will come up to me and they'll be like oh my gosh my kid wants to be a horse trainer someday and now I feel like my mom because I'm like no don't do it like don't do it <laughs> you don't want to don't go down that road like you'll never make enough money you'll always be tired like um, and I, I wouldn't want to do anything else, but I just, I can totally see where my mom was coming from now. So what you're saying, your mom's listening, is that your mom was right. I know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Win, mom. So maybe she'll <laughs> listen to this one then. <laughs> I feel like that's the way you got to be with most, most professions, though, because if someone really, really wants it, I mean, they're going to put their heart and soul into it. So if, if people are discouraging them to do it and you're still like, no, I'm I'm still 100% in. That's kind of like a good yeah. uh, gateway to entry for pretty much any. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, that's like, um, you're so right. I think any business, any, anything that's going to be serious someday, like you have to like put in that work. And um, like we always, like I was a working student for a while. And we always joke like when you're a working student, like you're literally like a slave. Like you don't get, um, you don't get paid. Like you work for nothing like seven days a week but like you have to do it like you have to pay your dues you have to like work non-stop and, and then then you can go from that but you know most people they get to the working student phase and like they can't handle it because it's just like such long hours and you're doing everything and you're in charge of like 
you're tacking up for like three different people getting their horses ready and you're in charge of the rest of the horses in the barn and then you have to get your horse ready in between and and I think that really separates people like from the one the people that really want to do it like no like okay like this is just how it is for now like I'm not gonna be able to eat all day <laughs> I'm gonna get like five hours of sleep and, and then maybe someday I can make it and, and it just seems like other jobs are like that too uh, I wouldn't know but I just from what I've heard from people that make it big like you have to kind of put in that suffering. What is what is like the average week look like? I guess for for you, and then also for the horse. Like, what is it doing day to day per se? Yeah, so um, it's different. Like, depending on where the horse is at. Um, for me, like right now, my I have my business structured a little bit differently. That now I have my horses placed at different barns and. Before, when I used to have, like, my own barn, it was a lot more intensive. But so now uh, most of the horses are on, like, work four to five days a week, split up between me and their owner. From then my horse, like, he only works a few days a week because he's younger. Um, so pretty much I, like, get up in the morning and either, like, do my workout or start earlier from the barn. And then I just kind of, like, go on the circuit around northern Virginia driving um, – barn to barn to either to either like just ride the horse for the owner or give a lesson to them and uh and then I come home and I work out but yeah it's you know it's it's interesting though because I feel like a lot of people uh that don't understand like fitness put too much pressure on the horses and I'll have like these people that want to like ride the horses like none of my clients do this now but I've had clients in the past that like they want to like work the horse like six or seven days a week and they want to like go take it up and down hills every single day and anyone who is athletic knows like okay you don't do hill repeats every single day so like I like you just don't (laughs) and then the thing with the horses is they can't like for at least for us when we're torturing ourselves like we're like okay I'm torturing myself because I have this race in a month like for a horse like when you're working the shit out of them like all they're thinking is like what did I do (laughs) like what did I do wrong so, like, I'm a really big believer in, like, the longevity of the sport and keeping the horses happy. So that, to me, it's, like, in my perfect world, like, if I didn't have to run these crazy long races, like, I would maybe want to work out, like, four days a week and, like, enjoy myself. So, like, that's what I pretty much do for most of the horses, like, four days a week of, like, real work, whether it's me riding them, too, and the owner riding them, too. But, like, that's kind of the plan. And then... Like, if they're really good and they, like, get the point of the lesson, like, if I'm like, okay, today we're just going to work on you being straight. Like, just be straight. Don't be, like, wobbling all over the place like you're drunk. Then if that horse, like, gets it, figures out the point of the lesson in, like, ten minutes, then that horse is done. Because then they learn, like, okay, like, I did it right. I got rewarded. I was done. Now that horse is a jerk and they're, like, flinging me into walls, then it's going to be, like, you know, whenever they decide to do it, so then it could be like an hour, and it very rarely ever gets that long. Like normally, it's like a twenty-five, thirty-minute ride. So right now, it's like probably about four to like six horses a day is what I do. Um, but you know, you have to take into account like how long it takes to tack the horse up and cool them off. So it takes about like an hour a horse once it's all said and done, and and then with the driving, so. That's, like, a typical day for me. Uh, but with horses, it changes because you just don't know, like, is the horse going to be a jerk or are they going to be good today? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that was good because I'm glad you answered that way because that, that was going to be one of my questions is if, like, the horse takes rest days just, like, 
you know, we do for OCR, or if there's like, is there like a structured training plan? Like, all right, today I'm going to ride the horse for X hours or like, does he, you know, like just like a personal trainer would write like, you know, run 10 miles today, yeah. or run five miles, you know, lift weights, et cetera. Um, is it like a very yeah. structured or is more, more loose? Uh, for me, like, it's interesting you say that because like for eventing, um, the, which is like the three day thing where they have to go out and do cross country, which I'd actually think is very similar to OCR. They have to do that. Um, they have to actually have trot set days where, or like, uh, galloping. And that is like, they'll have and a lot of times, like these top riders, have like their working students do that work so they say like take the horse out for this long and they have to trot for like you know 10 minutes straight then walk then 10 minutes straight and it's like a certain set time for us um like i'll ha- maybe plan in something like okay this day i want to take the horse out and just like take it in the field like for a mental thing but because they because they only have to perform for five minutes like i consider like a dressage horses work a little bit more like maybe like what a crossfitter would be like where, like, you don't have to do quite as long. You don't really have to have the endurance. Like, they have to have a lot of power and strength behind. So, but at the same time, like, you can't, you just never know what you're going to get. So you might go into it thinking, like, today I'm going to work on this. But then you get on the horse, and it's completely, you can't do that. You know, like, the horse is telling you, like, I can't do that today. um, And you have to address a different problem. So in some ways, like, yeah, it is structured. Um, and once you get to know the horse, like you'll get to know like, okay, this horse seems to be best the three days into work. And after I do this, so then if a horse show is coming up in the competition, you'll know, okay, this horse is best on its third day. So we're going to work it Thursday and Friday and we'll only work it for 20 minutes on Friday before the show. And then we'll give it Wednesday off. And so it is structured, but at the same time, like horses love the very curveballs that you sit on them and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I wanted to work on this today, but actually, we're just going to do this. Well, and that's what I was going to ask, because now that I'm by no means a rancher or anything like that, but seeing a little bit more animals, and the horse, you keep saying, like, whether it's literal or not, and I kind of know some of it is, that um, the horse, like, throws you into a wall, or yeah. in from your perspective, are horses known as, like, a smart animal and easy to coach and teach, or I've heard kind of different that like horses are dumb so i don't know like how yeah, true that is um i you know, honestly horses are like people so like you have your really smart horses that are like <laughs> super easy to work with and then you have your ones that are literally like they're so stupid <laughs> you're just like and i've actually had one of my best horses i swear she was like the stupidest horse but she was so talented like it took her and honestly it's probably why we got along because like she was kind of like me that like it just took her forever to figure stuff out. <laughs> and then, like, once she got it, like, man, that horse can do it well. And so it's and it's so funny because, like, people don't understand, like, how much personality these horses have. And they are so different. And you have horse, I have had horses who I swear are smarter than me. And they know it. And so then they're just jerks because they're like, no, I'm smarter than you. Or you have horses who are really dumb. And so they're just like, yeah, whatever you say, I'll do anything for you. Uh, so it just, it depends horse to horse, but they are like, they know what they're doing. And I don't think horse will ever do anything bad unless it's either out of like fear or pain. So I don't think, I don't, I've never gotten a horse that I'm like, oh, this is just a bad horse. Like the horses that have hurt me, they have some sort of past where something is bothering them and that's what causes them to be bad. But I don't think they're just like innately evil. And so maybe they are. (laughs) Well, speaking of, I don't want to like jump ahead or too far, but. 
I mean, I think most people do kind of know or at least have heard that equestrian or dealing with horses is very dangerous. And I know from just knowing you personally from the past few years, but can you kind of elaborate a little bit? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Bubble wrap. So, like, how how many injuries or what has been your, like, injuries and extent a little bit? Because I know it might take the whole podcast to hear it. Yeah, I'll try to make it, like, as... uh... Uh, not long-winded as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I've broken, I've broken like 13 bones, and essentially all of them except for like my feet from World's Toughest Mudder and like a hand from when I was like a fifth grader in soccer. have all been from horses, um, and I've had I think four of my concussions have been from horses too. Uh, yeah, you, and you just never know. Like even they're just unpredictable. So like one, when I broke my back when I was 15. Uh, like I, and I always, I always say the rider is always, it's always their fault. Like it just is like, and I'll even own up to it. Like when I broke my back, um, I picked a saddle that didn't fit the horse and I didn't realize it. And so the horse kept bucking every time I tried to canter. And I thought like, Oh, maybe the horse is just being back. Cause the horse hadn't been ridden in a couple of weeks. So I'm like, Oh, they're just being back. They've been ridden in a couple of weeks. Well then like the saddle, like literally slipped off to the side of the horse and the horse like went ballistic and the horse sent me flying. Like, so that was that injury. And then another horse, like the one I had a surgery last year on, like he was known uh, for hurting trainers. And I had had him for two years. And he really, there was something like not right in this horse's head. Like I actually think like this horse like was schizophrenic. Like I'm not kidding you. I think this horse like saw things. And like he did. It was crazy. Like there was no warning. You just feel like trotting along. And this like horse would just like take off out of nowhere. And... And it was just, you would just be, like, totally chill. And then all of a sudden, Walt was, like, gone. And as so of the day that he hurt me, really, when he finally got me off after two years, I would just said to the person in the ring, I'm like, oh, like, look how good he is. I can't believe this is the same horse. And honestly, like, looking back on it, I should have just, like, patted him and, and been done. But I was like, no, I got greedy. And I wanted to, like, do one last thing. Sure enough, horse lost, lost its mind and sent me flying. And I... I landed on something and it punctured my elbow uh, down to the joint. So you're always going to be at risk with the horses, and it's just our jobs to like be to really listen to them and, and be aware and be mindful of what's going on. And and what I've noticed, like the horses that normally do hurt me, it's normally like either a newer partnership or like I ignored like some sort of like gut warning about it. Or, you know, also, this is, like, another reason why I think I get hurt more than the average person is, like, when you're riding, like, such a high volume of horses, like, just the likelihood of getting hurt is more likely than if you're only riding one or two horses a day. Yeah, I could see that. Thanks. I had no idea it was so, there was so much risk involved. That's that's unbelievable. That's crazy. Yeah. It's one of the most, they say it's, like, one of the most dangerous sports, like, as far as, like, death-related and concussion. Like, it's the concussions are, like, higher than football, apparently. Jeez. With, uh, yeah. That's what, I don't know, Evan, if you followed her or not, but, I mean, Adrian and I have been friends for a while. Yeah, and I'm I like, oh, guess what I'm, yeah, I know, that'll, guess what I'm hurt. I that I think the one that I broke my leg at, you were, like, recovering from a concussion and running, and I remember I ran with you, and you're like, yeah. I don't know if I should keep going. I'm feeling kind of dizzy, and I was like, okay, oh, let's yeah, just walk for a minute. <laughs> Right? Yeah, that was before I broke my leg, like on the first lap. Yeah, and you, oh God, that, you started yeah. feeling better. And you took off, and then that's when I broke my leg. But I was just like, oh okay, God. well, I, I kept that's thinking I, 
I wanted to wait until the end, and I was like, did Adrian make it? Like, is, did she, someone check on her, please? <laughs> oh, my God, I know, I know. I'm trying to be smarter about it, and I feel, I feel so bad for Yancey, too, because I feel like every other month I'm like, Yancey, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, uh, this horse, like, trampled me, or like, oh, I'm sorry, I fell onto a wrought iron fence and stabbed my leg. Like, it's just... hey, that wasn't a horse, though, let's just that say. That's me. That's, like, how I am. I swear I'm, like, so... Like you, we're just accident-prone. It's a ginger thing. <laughs> well, I was at Battle Frog Cincinnati. That was 2015. Uh, I was there yeah, also. That was the year. But I did not know either one of you at the time, so... we. Well, yeah, we both managed to screw... Yeah, I do. Brenna, like, literally, like, destroyed her leg, like, right after I passed her. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Oh, Battle Frog. <laughs> I probably ran right past you at one point, Brennan. It was just, just in my own zone. And you didn't yeah. even stop to help I didn't her. even stop. I was doing I BFX. I was Way to go, B- Evan. Sorry. Everybody else stopped to check on me. Even Ryan ran by and was like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, can you see you later? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I've only ridden a horse once, um, and the horse was pretty much doing whatever it wanted. I was just sitting on its back, and it was just yeah. It was just like uh, so. It was my friend. My friend's mom had a horse, so she's like, "Oh, you want to go horse riding?" And I'm like, "Sure." That's something I've never done before. She's like, "You know, go left," and like it starts turning left, and she was like, "Great job!" And I was like, "No, no, I was pulling it to go right. It was just doing whatever it wanted." <laughs> So, yeah. my question is, like, you know, as a rider, how physically is intensive is it for you? Like, are you, are you using a lot of grip strength to, you know, pull the horse around, or you're, you know, squeezing your legs a lot, um, stuff like that? Well, you see, I'm the horse whisperer, so I just, like, telepathically tell them what to do, and they just do it. <laughs> which, is what it which is what it should look like, though, um, all joking aside, like, when it's done well, you actually really aren't doing that much, and so... Uh, that's, like, one of my other big things with my clients is, like, I have people that are, like, oh, you're just a good rider because you're so strong. And I'm, like, no, actually, like, my thing with the training is that I just like to get the horses, like, really reactive and, um, and sensitive to the aids. So, like, if I want the horse to go forward, I teach the horses to go forward from, like, just barely touching them with my calf. Where, like, if someone's a really busy or loud rider, per se, like, they don't have control of their own body on the horse, then the horses end up actually tuning them out because they're making so much noise up there that the horse, like, can't hear them. Mm-hmm. Or, like, and it actually, like, you don't want to have um, a strong hold on the reins. Like, you want to you be there for them and be steady. But And you'll see some rider, like, you'll see, you'll see a bad ride. You'll see someone who's, just, like, muscling the horse around. But, like, if you go and you search, like, Grand Prix dressage and search like the Olympic winning ride. Like you'll watch that rider and it will look like she's doing nothing. And that's because she is like her, all of her body parts are independent on the horse. So she can like use one part of her leg, but keep her, have her seat bone doing something else. And that's like my job as a trainer is to like make sure the horses can respond from the lightest touch that like if I just barely, touch them with my calf or just move it like a quarter inch back, they know that that's just different than if my leg is a quarter inch farther forward. Or if I just lightly raise my hand like a centimeter this way, they know that it means that. So if you have a new novice rider, they're going to like obviously be much more like exaggerated with their aids. And the horses that you would teach them on, like teach a beginner on, like are much more uh, cooperative and uh, patient 
with riders like that, but, like, if you throw a beginner on, like, a really, like, tuned-up, like, Grand Prix horse, like, the horse would probably, like, freak out, because they're so, they really make them so sensitive that, like, the lightest touch gets them to react. So you put, like, a novice rider on them, and they're banging around, and the horse is just like, what is going on? <laughs> that's crazy. And seeing in that sense, to me, it seems like the horse, like, I that makes it sound like horses are really smart, but it's more yeah. of probably the, the trainer, I guess, in I mean, kind of a, it's yeah, a two, it's, it's a partner deal. Yeah, it's a, it is totally a partnership. So, it, it, you know, they, and when you've been with a horse for a while, like, they really get, like, my black unicorn is amazing. Like, I'm the only one who's ever ridden him. He's only been, uh, I only started him a year ago because he's really young. But, like, I swear, it's like this horse just, like, he just knows me so well that it, he's so easy to ride because he understands everything I have to say. Where, like, if another horse has multiple riders, like, it's a little bit harder for them and, and, like, you teach the riders and you're teaching them how to ride in movement. You teach them the aids for it, like, what body parts to use to ask for it. But even if they're doing it, like, the same way that you do it, we're all still going to be a little bit different in our bodies. Like, we're you're essentially taking, like, um, an unsymmetrical person and putting on an unsymmetrical horse. Like, we all have our weaker and our stronger side. So even if I tell them, like, do it like this, like, well, their right leg might be a little bit longer than their left leg, and their their pelvis might be a little bit crooked. So it's going to feel different for the horse than the other person. So it's, you know, I could teach a horse how all the way up to Grand Prix, and I could have a great rider, but, like, it's still not going to be the same with both of us. Like, some, it's not going to feel the same to the horse. Interesting. So one of the things we like to do on this podcast is try to pull lessons learned from other sports and kind of apply them to OCR. So I know we kind of talked about it a, real, a little bit already as far as, you know, you know, we need rest days just like a horse needs rest days and, you know, you can't work them to the max every day and stuff like that. Are there any other lessons that you think we can pull from um, your sport into OCR? Uh, definitely, yeah. I think the biggest thing that I've learned and been able to take into, like, my, my own personal OCR journey that I think, like, anyone else could take too is, like, so taking a horse from the bottom to the top, like, to, to Grand Prix, the highest level, like, you can't even really start a horse until they're three years old. Well, like, assuming that nothing goes wrong, the horse doesn't get hurt, that the horse is talented and, and smart enough, and that you have access to all the right tools to, like, you know, a good trainer, um, good coach, good vet, you know, shoes are good, then they're not even going to get to Grand Prix until they're, like, nine or ten years old. So that's, like, seven or eight years to get to the to the your very best you know and then once you get there then even then it's going to take another two or three years before they get really good at that level so like dressage has really taught me uh, like being determined being really patient and persistent and I think I've been able to like apply that to OCR like when I get like a little frustrated sometimes I'm like well you know what like it just takes time and like you can't rush the process like it's a process so, you know, if you're getting, like, upset because, like, you're not hitting PRs or you're not where you want to be, like, you just have to look at how long it takes to make it in a sport. And, like, it just takes a long time, like, for your heart to get strong enough and your legs to get strong enough. So I, I try to, like, remind myself, like, where I was at the start of my riding career and journey and say, like, that took a long time, so it's okay if I'm not where I want to be yet. That's awesome. That's one of my favorite things I've heard. Uh, crossing over from sport to sport, patience and consistency. So oh, that's awesome. awesome. Thank you. So thank you for that. I think 
Because people, because people, again, people ask me this basically the same thing. Like, oh, well, what am I doing wrong? How do I get better? And it's like, well, you know, like, yeah. you know, I've been running consistently, like, multiple days a week, you know, since, I don't know, 2000, I guess it was before 2000, 1990, like, six, right? So, um, yeah, for, for a long, long freaking time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it just takes so long. It's on you know, old. Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the baby of the group. <laughs> I think I'm 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 the oldest one. No, that's sad. That's sad. How old are you? I'm only thirty five. Or am I thirty yeah, thirty five. Oh man, you're so old. Am I? Gray hairs. They're <laughs> I tell my wife they're light brown. They're light brown hairs. Are you losing are you starting to go bald? No, no, I have a good I have a good head of hair. I've my, my hair's okay. my hair's full. It's just uh I got some light brown ones in there. There you go. Yeah, light brown ones. That means gray. That's okay. <laughs> Embrace it. Hey, we're we're just happy because gingers don't get gray. <laughs> That's, you know what? But then again, like your mom, I hope you're actually listening because my mom, like, she's okay. You've seen her. What color is her hair? Red. No, it's not. It is like <laughs> now it is because she got it dyed finally. But like, it, it's like gray blonde, and so everyone thinks she's blonde. And she gets so mad. She gets so mad that she'll flash people to show them that she's a redhead. <laughs> That's aggressive. So she's gonna love that I just shared that, but she will. <laughs> but she gets so pissed. So they do gray because she did. She turned like super light blonde. Damn it! That's not good to know. <laughs> I know. Oh, anyway, sorry. We'll be real. <laughs> um, but um, I was gonna ask since we're kind of switching now, like kind of crossing them over into OCR. I don't know if this plays into it or not, or if this is like me talking just from knowing you personally. I don't want to give away any secrets, but. Is it your barn personally, or we've seen through like following your posts and just knowing you that you've set up kind of a little bit of a barn gym per se, or training grounds, or like what do you, what do you have going on there that you kind of make? Yeah, um, so it's actually my mom's farm, but that's where I have my horse at now, and she like got one of those like CrossFit rigs from our old trainer when he was um like getting rid of his job. So we have like like five bars in a row you can lache from and then we like got several rings and we hung them from the rafters and uh we're hoping to like get a salmon ladder in there and she found someone who can like build an, a warped wall so we're we're kind of hoping to like convert one side of the barn into a ninja gym because why not i mean isn't that like that would be so cool and, and eventually like hopefully uh, even like have like some rider fitness classes because it really um like even though i I don't think you have to be, like, muscularly strong to ride a horse. Like, it is good to be – the fitter you are, like, the more independent you can be with your aids and your body. So it is really important to be fit to ride, but, like, riding won't make you fit. You have to do stuff outside of riding to become fit for the horse and then use that to actually be a quieter rider, not to use your strength against the horse. So Ninja Gym in the barn, you know, be fun training for our clients if they will let us do shenanigans with them. Well, and that reminds me, I was going to ask you, say, like, riding a horse and being fit. Going back to just kind of starting riding, I mean, it's not, it's uncomfortable and makes you sore all over, correct? Like, just, like, when you start out, is that you get used to that and it goes yeah. away, just muscle soreness, or is that yeah. something? Um, yeah, and it's funny you say that because we just, my massage therapist, actually, she just started riding, um, learning to ride, and she's like, oh, my gosh, like, my inner thighs are so sore and all this, and. 
And I think it is. It's like when you've never done it before, like you're using muscles like you didn't know that you had. So like you're going to get sore. But then once and if you like all of a sudden up your volume in horses, like you'll just get kind of like overall fatigued. Um, but for me, just because I've been doing it for so long, like I never, the only time I ever noticed I'm sore is either if I get thrown off or like a horse tried to book me off. And so I'm like holding on for dear life with my legs. Sometimes then like my inner thigh gets a little bit sore, but it doesn't like the people that have the idea of like, if I just ride a bunch, I'll be fit. Like you're not like to a certain point. Yes. Like you're moving. Right. But if you were to strap a heart rate monitor on, while you were riding a horse, like, your heart rate isn't ever going to get high enough, long enough to really be a beneficial workout. But it's also not fair, like, if you want to expect your horse to be doing everything really well, like, you have to have good control of your body. So if you have someone who's out of shape and they're on a horse, it's not fair to the horse. Like, you have this athlete, you're trying to train this horse to be an athlete, and you're competing in a sport, but yet you're not even caring about your own body. And, like, that really that really bothers me because I see these unfit riders who, like, want to blame the horse, like, for their, for their mistakes. Like, they get mad because the horse is, like, unbalanced. And it's like, well, you're unbalanced. Like, you need to work on you. And uh, it just gets me really heated. It's like you put on this weight vest with all the weight, uh, you know, uh, yeah, all this heavy weight on one side, and you try doing something. Exactly. Exactly. As is exactly that you know and if someone's working on it like then i'm like great as long as you're working on it good but when someone wants to give me that whole spiel of like well i'm in the barn all day and i lift this and that like great no that's not enough like i don't care it's not enough cool so one of the hot topics in ocr has been like a governing body or organizing body for ocr so what's that look like in dressage or a question is there is there one league or is there multiple leagues or, you know, kind of, yeah, let's go with that. Start off with. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's actually, um, so there's, there's multiple, uh, the, the, we have an international federation, which is, uh, FEI, which is Federation Equestrian International. And so any like international competition, um, or CDI, we have CDIs like that are throughout the world, and we have some in the U.S., those are international competitions, so they have to abide by those rules. And then we have um, USEF, which is the United States Equestrian Federation, which is kind of like the overseeing governing body for all of um, the different disciplines, so for dressage, eventing, show jumping, local western sports, uh, any of them that are going to go to a legitimate competition, they have to abide by uh, the USEF rules, and then beneath that you have, like, federations within the sport, so then we have the United States Dressage Federation, so if you go to a, a show here in the U.S., you not only have to abide by the United States Dressage Federation rules, but you have to abide by the United States Equestrian Federation rules, too, and then if you go to an international competition, you have to abide by all three of them. So they all kind of work together, and all the rules are pretty similar. Um, the FBI rules, the international ones, are like there's a little bit stricter. Like when you go and you look at the, the drug, the drug policies, and what you can and can't give. Um, and they also follow WADA, like all of those. I'm not sure about USDF actually. I have to check, but I know USDF competitions and um, the FBI. Like it's you're under the WADA, the WADA rules, um, and they actually. Have I have heard some stories from testing riders, especially at big comp- competitions, but they do uh, drug testing for the horses at every competition. It's random. 
and you actually have to pay a $16 U.S. Oh, my dog's freaking out. Aries, stop it. Sorry. Um, you have to pay a $16 drug fee every single competition that goes to USCF just for the drug testing. Well, I'm glad you clarified that because I was going to ask a stupid question and you're saying they follow WADA and then you're like, yeah, they test the, the riders every once in a while. I was like, wait, so is this for the horse or the, the rider? Yeah, and yeah, so the, the horse, like, that's its own, um, that's what USCF and USDF make and then, like, FBI has their own ones, which is essentially everything that USCF has and some more stuff. It's just, like, a little bit stricter. Um, and it, it's just as crazy as the water list. It's all these, you have to be so careful about what you give the horses because it could just be like an ointment that like, like there's actually, there's, I have read this one story about this like show jumper that like the horse tested positive for something. It was because the groom was using Rogaine and like touched the horse and it tested. Like it's just like, it's stuff like that happens a lot. Like they're super, super strict. Like, um, at every show, there's horses getting tested, and so they have to, like, it's it's really awkward, though, too, because you'll, like, finish your ride, and you come out of the ring, and there's, like, this USDF rep, and they're like, okay, we're going to, uh, we're testing you, we're testing your horse, and they have to sit there and wait for the horse to pee. That was going to be my next question. Are, it was, like, a yeah. blood sample? They just, like, stand there with a big they, bucket? They do blood sample and pee sample, and, okay. and they, like, the poor, like, person whoever like i feel so bad for this person that has this job because like my horse is always such a jerk and someone has to be there as a witness so like i normally like just have like the groom or like because i have like a bunch of horses to ride and coach at the show so i always have to leave someone else with them and i'll be like how long did it take and I'm like oh my gosh like two hours for your horse to pee. <laughs> <laughs> so, like sorry oh but, yeah in triathlon there's like olympic so there's a bunch of different distances, right? There's sprint, there's Olympic distance, uh, and then there's half iron and full iron. Is the is the um, the the dressage at the Olympics? Is that different from like some of the the local events or some of the other national events, or is it basically the same format, same same style? It's uh so there are um if you're all going to compete like if you go to the Olympics, you're going to compete in the Grand Prix. And they have, um, there's three different tests that they have. They have, like, the regular Grand Prix, and then they have uh, the Grand Prix Special, which is just, like, it's the same movements. It's just the test is, like, designed slightly different. And then you have the freestyle, and the freestyle is, like, you have a list of movements that you have to perform each way, and it's, like, the minimum. This is how much, many meters you have to show of it. And then there's another score sheet that's for the artistic mark. So then you get to make your own routine to music. And so then they judge you, like, not only on the movements, but for, uh, like, the artistic side as, as well. And then, you know, we have, there's, like, a team. Uh, and so the freestyle is individual. And then they use the Grand Prix or the special for, like, the regular, for the, the team part of it. Man, who knew? This, this is very just enlightening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cra- it's crazy. It's it's really it's so detailed. Yeah, I'm learning a ton on this episode. This is like er- almost every time you open your mouth, I learn something new. So this is good. You want to know that horses can do so many things, right? Well, and speaking of the Olympics, I think if I'm I'm sorry, there were so many awesome accomplishments. Did like you were junior Olympic, correct? Yes. So for dressage, um, we have what's called the the North American Junior Young Rider 
championship. And so that's like our junior Olympic. Uh, and it's really hard to make. And there's a junior one and there's a young rider one. So I've, I, I tried, I'm not telling you, this freaking team took me six years to make. And I finally made it my last year in Young Riders, which is the harder one. And so they take, like, there's different zones, like, throughout North, North America, and they send you there, and you have to, like, be in the top four, and you have to have, like, a really high average. And, and the whole idea is that, like, the people, they make you follow the same procedure as what it would be like to qualify for the Olympic team or the World Equestrian Games or the Pan American team. So, like, the whole idea is, like, the people that make that team eventually are likely going to make, like, an Olympic team someday. It's supposed to, like, get you used to what the format is like. So I did that well, in, um, back in 2015. Well, that's what I was going to ask is, have you, like, considered or wanted to have a goal or set a goal for going towards the Olympics or Pan Amer, would you just say, or World Championship? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I love skill, and that's the thing with the horses, is it's, like, uh, our people that are on, like, these Olympic teams and, like, the World Equestrian Games, like, they're in, like, their 50s. Like, it takes a really long time in the sport just because it's not, like, just you, but it's, like, having, like, a freak of a nature horse at the right time because the horse has to be ready on that four-year cycle, you know, and having the money and the financial support. And, and so that's kind of why I got... I bought the horse I have now a year ago because up until but prior to that, I was just having clients' horses, and I felt like every time, like, it's a business relationship, and every time I felt like the horse was, like, really close to, like, about to do something really big, like, something would happen, and we'd part ways, and I just got so sick of it, like, of being with this horse that I was so close with that trusted me so much, and then having this, like, owner just ripped the horse away for like ridiculous reasons but I was like you know what I'm getting my own horse and if if it happens like and it's meant to be like it'll happen but I'm not gonna like go out searching to find some sort of sponsor to get a horse to do it because it's just I just don't like it that way it wasn't fun for me um it was really heartbreaking like the horse that I did the junior olympic team on I, I lost the ride on her for ridiculous reasons and I just don't want to. I don't want to deal with that again. So if I make it someday, like it's going to be on my own horse. Gotcha. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Evan, do we want? Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, do we want to like skip? Kind of. I mean, we've covered like horse. I just am amazed at horse information. I think because I had no yeah, idea. I give a lot. I, well, no, it's it's awesome because I mean I follow your stuff and I see it, but I have no idea like what you're doing. <laughs> so yeah. now I can. Actually see posts and see what you're doing with your horse and kind of put a little bit more background and sense to it, which people listening that follow you and watch will kind of, I think, be more intrigued and have an understanding of it. But also we want to tie in to just kind of you had a, a smaller, like, start in OCR with distances and various races, and then now you've grown to endurance, Adrian. I think that that's kind of your specialty, and if we want to kind of jump into that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Evan, do you want to lead since you're our endurance specialist here? And, you know, you all have a, like, world's toughest mutter and toughest mutter bond. <laughs> sure. So I, the first time I heard your name was at BFX24 when you got on the podium there. I could not make that event, but I'm, I'm jealous you got to go to the one and only one. Uh, but so I guess yeah. my question is, I guess, what do you have planned for 2018 as far as, you know, are you doing – are you doing the toughest series again? Or are you going to do uh, OCR Enduro? Or what's your what's your plan? 
Yeah, um, I really want to do OCR Enduro if I can, like, get the money to go because it's in Australia and all. But that's, like, the big plan is um, World's Toughest Mudder, and I'd like to do five of the toughest again. I just like that's a good – that's a, enough to, like, you know, hopefully uh, get in the top three and get elite contender status, hopefully, and without overdoing it. So I want to do five of those. I'd like to go do the Enduro – World Championship, and then uh, obviously World's Toughest Mudder. And then if, if my body isn't broken, like maybe Iceland, but I feel like that race, like even this year when I was thinking about it, I'm like, you can't really plan that one until after, because you just don't know what your body's going to be like the end of the season. And like, thank God I didn't pay for it this year since I like freaking destroyed my head at World's Toughest Mudder. Yet again. <laughs> I know, again, I know. Are you going to start racing with the helmet this year? I actually, like, feel like I need to. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I'm so paranoid now. Like, I'm going to be a vegetable if I keep hitting my head. Well, I guess not just racing. Like, I mean, you probably have a helmet for riding, but I swear, I think you just need a helmet <laughs> in life. Around, oh, but here's the funny thing is, like, I literally wear my helmet around the barn all the time now. Like, not just when I'm riding. Because I'm like, I can't, like, I can't deal with this anymore, like. I'm not going to have, like, my black unicorn knock me out because we're having, like, an intense game of tag. Like, no. I was to say, I mean, you played tag with it. So. <laughs> I know. Which probably isn't the smartest thing, but it's just too much fun, so. <laughs> Until he body slams me. With all the endurance focus, and you said you're building, you're essentially building a ninja gym in your barn, are you going to try out for Ninja Warrior again, or did you submit an application this year? I did submit an application, um, and they actually called me a couple days ago to, which was like a total tease because I saw the 818 number, and I remember thinking like, wow, this is like really early for them to call, and I answered, and I was like, oh my god, hey, <laughs> and they were like, no, 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 like, <laughs> I was like, what? He was like, we're just calling to get more information, and he's like, I'm sure you've had these calls before, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I've never had this call before, so. I think, you know, it went well, and he told me, um, like, oh, if you do get back on, then, like, you'll probably be going back to the Florida one. So I hope, I really hope I get to go back on. And But, like, now I'm so nervous because I'm like, man, they never called me, like, prior to calling me. So I don't know what that means. Well, and something else, speaking of American Ninja Warrior, we didn't mention this in any of her awesome accomplishments, and I'm just going to bring it up because... I mean, I'm kind of partial to it, but this ginger was also on Broken Skull Challenge, correct? I knew it. Oh I knew God. you were going to bring it up. <laughs> I I Couldn't make it an episode. So <laughs> Sorry. Well, the only thing that made me think of it, and I haven't said anything to anybody, well, maybe today, but there's a new show, and I just found out from my sister, which I'm kind of disappointed that I didn't know. I missed the um, the Tonight Show after the Super Bowl with The Rock. He announced that he is hosting, and there's a new show coming out called The Titan Challenge, hosted Ooh. by The Rock, who is, like, my biggest all-time crush. And so, I mean, sorry, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you were awesome to meet. But I spent all day today at work filling out an application online oh for God, The Titan Challenge. Awesome. So, Adrian, <laughs> what's up? Is that why you kept asking the questions? Stop. I get it now. Well, I saw, I saw that on Facebook, and I'm like, that is such a TV application <laughs> question. I'm like, what is she filling out? Yeah. What is it? Well, okay, this is this is how obsessed I am with The Rock. My sister was like, are you applying for the show? I was like, what show? And she goes, The Rock show. I was like, well, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? So I looked it up on Google, 
and I skipped over the teaser video of what it's about, and I just started applying. <laughs> you don't even know what it is. No, the only thing I saw was that he was inspired by American Ninja Warrior, which it didn't mention Steve Austin, Broken Skull Challenge, which I thought would have been funny because they were both wrestlers. Yeah. But he said he was inspired by American Ninja Warrior, and it's an NBC show anyway, so that's probably why. But I haven't watched the teaser yet, so I don't oh I don't God. care. That's a, I love I told, you. That's, like, so I was, awesome. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm more excited about getting on another competition show or I just want to meet The Rock. <laughs> that's so funny. I have to check that out. The Rock's got like three movies coming out simultaneously Dude, in the next couple months. It's fun. ridiculous. He had a Super Bowl trailer that a movie that I didn't even know that he was that he was coming out for. And he's got like two, like one app, like Jumanji and oh, fucking yeah, Rampage. Well, Jumanji's amazing. And then the whatever Skyscraper, there's a new one. Where he's like, it's, it's insane. A vet amputee. I mean, I'm sorry. He's just, oh, he's amazing. <laughs> I have to look this. I'm look, as soon as we like finish this, I'm looking this up. Like. I, I love you, though. You're like, I'm not even going to watch the teaser. I'm just going to apply. But then how did you know what to say? Like, would it well, ask you, like, why would you be good for the show? Yeah, because you've filled out the applications now for American Ninja Warrior and Broken Skull. Yeah. And- so it was a, I wonder if it was the same application. Because I know for Spartan and American Ninja Warrior, it was, like, literally the exact same application. Well, this is what made me so mad is because all the questions, I wish out of all these applications I filled out for TV that I saved my answers somewhere because yeah. every time I fill them out all over again and it's like essays. These are the exact yeah. same questions about like plan well, your a- achievement. Yeah. Oh, well, here's something to know because I didn't realize this. So Ninja Warrior, like it saves your it saves your written application from the year before when you log in. Well, like yeah. so like last year, like you know I changed some stuff, but I'm like oh nothing really changed, and so then like this year I did the same thing. I'm like and I probably don't really read into it that much, and like my oh my god my cats are literally going psycho right now. Um, and I'm like you know they probably don't like really read like my novel paragraphs. Like well, when the guy called me, he hadn't watched my video yet. And he was like, well, it just seems like not a whole lot's changed. And I was like, oh, shit, you guys, like, actually really read that. <laughs> okay, so, so it's... Lesson, lesson learned, I think, next year I might have to, like, actually rewrite those answers. Okay, so that's good then. My sister kept asking me, she's like, why didn't you save these answers? And I was like, I don't know. So I've been asking everybody all day the stupid, like, three words to describe me. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if it's, like, an NBC show, like, maybe put different ones because I learned that lesson the hard way. All right. For those of you listening, tricks of the trade for yeah. those that have applied for TV shows. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the same guy, too, because uh, he was like, I haven't watched your video yet. I'm like, why are you calling before you didn't watch the video? I'm like, it's a good video. And he's like, oh, I'm sure it is. Your, your video last year was really good. And I was like, oh, shit. It's, like, the same dude. <laughs> he's literally reading, like, all of the same answers. Well, not the- or he's got a ginger crush. That's the well, other yeah, possibility. Uh, I don't know. If he had ginger well, crush, then he should have told me I was on it instead of, you know, getting my hopes up and then crushing my soul. Well, what soul? <laughs> it's true, right? What little bit there was, now gone. Well, yeah. No, you have to look up the Titan Challenge, and because they have, it's an, actual, it's an application and a video, and I haven't looked at the video requirements either. I don't know if it's just, like, a talking video or if it's, like, an American oh Yeah. I should probably it's- do more but I don't care. <laughs> That's so funny. You'll probably have to do, like, one of those three-minute videos and, you know. Oh. And that's why I've oh. never applied for American Ninja Warrior is because of the video. I, I don't know why, but I have this, like, fear of putting together a video. And yours was awesome. Like, I saw your video, so I'm excited and hope that you get back on to watch you. Oh, that's sweet. You this time. 
That makes sense. You have a fear of video considering you host a podcast and we put out weekly Technique Tuesday videos and work out Wednesday on the Conquer the Gauntlet Protein Yeah. That's totally reasonable. No, my sister said so for the Spartan – or no, wait, which show was I on? Yeah, for the Spartan Challenge, I submitted a video, and I can do live videos fine and love going live. But if you, like, film me or if there's another person holding the camera and filming me, I'm really weird and awkward. And I sent a video to my sister when I applied for that show, and she was just like, what was wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I wasn't live. <laughs> you just need me to do it for you, because I'll do it, like, without you realizing it. Yeah, it was bad. So I'm hoping, like, if there's a video, I'm just going to do it live, and then, like, somehow download the video. I don't know. It's, yeah, I haven't put, like, it. a camera up and just start talking, and then, like, um, that's what I've started to try to do instead of trying to script it because it's so hard, like, scripting it. But if you just, like, put the video and, like, just kind of talk, then you can take what you want from it. And then it just, like, sounds more authentic than, like, you're reading from something. Man, this is amazing. Look what we've covered on this episode. Horses, OCR, endurance, TV applications. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although, who knows, maybe mine aren't good anymore. I'm like, seriously, that guy's phone call, like, it's got me all, like, anxious and sad. I'm like, oh, man, I should have, like, done this differently. But, oh, well. Cool. So we're, we're going to start wrapping things up. Um, Adrian, where can people follow you on social media? I know Brenna has plugged your social media channels, like, a dozen times. <laughs> yeah. But give us the actual, like... The actual, uh, you know, handle and stuff. Um, so, Unbroken Adrian on Instagram is probably the best place to follow me. Or you can just search my name on Facebook, Adrian Alvord, uh, and friend me. I think my Facebook is, like, public, so you friend me um, and see all the stuff. But, like, Instagram, definitely trying to get more creative with that because mostly just, like, my business stuff is on my Facebook page. Gotcha. Well, this was this was actually really cool. Um, I know in the past I have made some disparaging marks about dressage, mostly because I knew nothing about it. Um, so you schooled me pretty good on this, and uh, I will stop making disparaging remarks from from this point forward. Yeah, that's that was better not. At least not about my unicorn. That that was awesome though. Uh, tons of great information. Uh, very educational so that was cool i appreciate it yeah thank you so yeah before before we go anyone any final shout outs uh adrian uh sponsors friends family anything you want your business etc um yeah you know i guess i want to give a shout out to my clients that i have because i feel like they are they've been like really understanding and patient with me um with all of my like shenanigans and crazy adventures so i definitely want to thank them for putting up with me and uh for trusting with their horses and uh, shout out to my mom. Also, same thing for putting up with all my craziness and taking me to the hospital time and time again. So, there you go. Thanks, mom. Brenna, what do you got? Oh man, I feel like it's so far from race season. I don't even know where to begin. Um, I, this is a random shout out, kind of like under the radar. It's not known who all the behind the scenes people are, but. Just kind of a shout-out to the crew that I've been working with. I've been on Bill Crew for OCRWC the past two years, and last year U.S. Champs, this year NORAM. So um, just a shout-out to everybody behind the scenes that is working with those companies from Inventory LLC and the new American OCR Association that just went live um, past couple weeks. I don't know when this will air. So we actually, that's live and running, um, taking memberships and 
shout out to Adrian, who, um, Bijanata behind it, not Adrian, that's on the show, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I figured you're talking about. (laughs) Been working with them, and just a big shout out to all the people behind the scenes and everybody taking care of all the athletes first and making that something unique and always people go to it. So, again, um, Enduro, Champs, and NORAM and OCRWC this year are going to be amazing. So I hope everybody's checking out the content we're putting out and following that. So that's my shout-out for this episode. Man, yours has put mine to shame. (laughs) (laughs) Shout-out to all the awesome athletes out there, too. (laughs) Nice. So I I got a couple plugs. Um, If you're not following Strength and Speed... Please check it out. We just added more items to our store, including bleg mitts. So uh, the glove created by Deanna Bleg, world's toughest motor champion. It's like a mitten made of neoprene. And then essentially has a, like a slit on the side where you take your hands out so you can do obstacles easier. Uh, Strength and Speed is now the only distributor of bleg mitts in the U.S. So you don't have to pay the uh, excessive shipping costs from the other side of the globe. So if anyone wants a pair of bleg mitts, we now have them in stock. So definitely head over to Strength and Speed and check those out. Also, shout out to Hammer Nutrition. Uh, renewed my sponsorship for 2018. Um, they've been so good to me, and the awesome part about them is they've keep every year that I'm with them, they keep adding more and more benefits. So, uh, love them a lot. I know Brenna just placed an order with them. So, Brenna, give us a quick rundown of some of the stuff you ordered. Ooh, I'm yeah, I'm super excited because. I just found out I feel like an old lady every day and all my joints ache and I found like every ache in my body I realized was around a joint. So I got their joint supplement. Evan, correct me. What's the name of it actually? Tissue Rejuvenate. It's yeah. like glucosamine, chondritin, and some other joint health supplement uh, mix. Yeah. So I have that in the mail. It should be here today or tomorrow actually. So hopefully soon I can give kind of like a review on that. But I'm super excited. And their coffee because... Evan was my secret Santa for Conquer the Gauntlet Protein this year, and he gave me coffee that I had no idea Hammer Nutrition makes and distributes coffee. Oh, and, is it oh, good? It, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. So I finished the bag he gave me, like, way too fast, and so I just ordered another bag. Yay. <laughs> is it like, you that reminds far? me. Oh, that's all right. Go ahead, Adrian. I was asking to, like, make you super mentally charged. That sure. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just really good because they said it's all organic and – I think it was like a medium roast, medium to dark, and it was really smooth and not like a bunch of gunk left in the bottom. I don't know. It was just amazing. It's delicious, and I drink black coffee, so it was awesome. Oh, man, you're crazy. You're a crazy ginger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they have a light, medium, and dark roast, and then a decaf version. It's all organic. Um, uh, if you use code 240887, which is all over my website, and my Facebook page, you can get 15% off your first order. Uh, big fan of Tissue Rejuvenate. That's what I use for OCR America. Also a big fan of REMCAPS. So if you're from the toughest community, world's toughest motor community, and you're going to be racing some of those 24-hour events or the 8-hour events, I highly recommend REMCAPS. It's basically melatonin and some other like natural sleep aids. So I actually take it during the day before toughest mutter, and it, like, it lets me sleep in and take a longer nap. And it also lets me sleep deeply the night before World's Toughest Mudder. Um, so I'm not waking up every hour, like, checking my watch, waiting for the, waiting for the race to start. Wait, um, would so, you take it during the day for a toughest? Um, I, t- I pretty much take it – I'll, I'll take it eight hours before the event or earlier. So, okay. like, I want it to, like, clear my system. Yeah. So I'm not sleepy not, during like, the sleepy event. One. That's a good idea. Because I feel like if I take 
groggy, but that's interesting. Yeah, huge fan of that. And I also, I've been traveling. I was in Germany like two weeks ago, and I'm going again in like a week. Uh, also helps with adjusting to time zones. It's awesome. So it's, if you're going to Enduro, I would definitely pick some of that stuff up. It's, it's, it's awesome. You need to try that because he gave it to me in Lebanon, and I loved it. And I don't really randomly like just like take something random at a random location being in Lebanon, but it <laughs> nothing weird like, nothing weird happened. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giving Brent a roofies in it's Lebanon. Like yeah, that's, that might that's... happen. I don't know. It's so crazy. That's a misconception, by the way. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I would know. I've never been there. I'm just saying, like, oh, I took this random thing, like, in Lebanon. Like, like okay. It just sounds like the start of a hangover movie. <laughs> All right, on that note, I think we need to end this episode. <laughs> Get a little too crazy. Jujin. Cool. So uh, I think that wraps it up pretty good for the Strength and Speed podcast. Adrian, thanks again for coming on. 